This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space, a monthly podcast of artist talks, panel discussions, and other events. Tēnā tātou katoa. No mai hoki mai ki tēnei kaupapa korero, or the Physics Room. No mai whakarongo mai whakatau mai. My name is Abby Kinane, and I'm the director of the Physics Room, a contemporary art space dedicated to developing and promoting contemporary art and critical discourse in Aotearoa. Based in central Ōtautahi since 1996, we assist artists with resources and opportunities to enable creative and professional development and work to support the acknowledgement and understanding of contemporary art among New Zealanders. Our goal is to actively seek links between the arts and other areas of cultural production, and to involve art as a contributing voice in wider intellectual, social and political debate. No mai hoki mai. Welcome to episode 33 of Art Not Science. My name is Michelle Wang, the assistant curator at the Physics Room. And in this episode, we are sharing the artist talk from our exhibition Kapuya na Aho, Dance of the Bushien, where I talk with the artists Wai Ching Chan and Tessa Maonga. Employing a language of threads and knots, this collaborative exhibition explores ancient Chinese narratives in connection with people, materials, and relationships in Aotearoa. According to some Chinese origin narratives, the world began in a murky dark void, from which the dual forces of yin and yang and heaven and earth emerged and intermingled, giving birth to the myriad life forms in the ecosystem. Due to a period of crisis, a great deluge occurred after which the goddess Nuwa patched up the heavens and cut off the legs of a giant turtle to use as pillars to prop up the sky. Nuwa went on to form humanity from soil and rope. Thus, humanity was created to care for the ancestral heritage in harmony with the natural environment. In this exhibition, Wai Ching Chang and Tessa Maunga remake the pillars of heaven using harakeke, silk, manila rope, wool, mop string, mulberry paper, and pearls. Made from natural materials that speak to seafaring and migration, these pillars seek to reconnect and hold cultural and historical links between China and Aotearoa using traditional Chinese knots, paper cutting, and other weaving techniques. The installation also incorporates the voices of those with Chinese whakapapa across Aotearoa who are asked to contribute an object and a statement that expresses the diversity and breadth of their experiences. Built on friendship and love, the ropes in this exhibition aim to repair the relationships between Tauiwi and Tangata Whenua and gather the voices of those with Chinese whakapapa in their threads. Now, let's hear from Tessa and Wai. Thank you all for coming. We're in Kapuya na Aho, Dance of the which is an exhibition that's been made beautifully by these two artists, Tessa Maonga and Wai Ching Chang. And today they're joining us for an artist talk to tell us more about the work and their practice. So just to start, would you guys mind introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about your practice? Tēnā kōtua, kui tēnā āta, no Guangdong, no Tsuesan, no Kanyu o Kitsukuma. Tāhotuku mama no 
My name is Waiki and I'm from Hong Kong. I moved here maybe almost 10 years ago. It will be my 10th year anniversary this coming September. But, uh, I live in Auckland and not doing a PhD. <laughs> uh, at the moment, I'm working at the Auckland Memorial Just My practice has always been how to create like a harmonious relationship, more focusing on um, being a, what do you call it, a newer generation of Chinese migrants, as Toewi, and how we interact with the Latin venue. Even though there's no big conflict, there's still like, like a little gap between the two communities. They just don't really know how to interact with each other. So I just like thinking about it and trying to maybe mention that maybe we can find the arts, we can talk more about it. And that's how I start my work with the North Sand and then like all this little transcend person to represent that wish or effort to bring the two together. So it's quite like overlapping with what Tess is doing, essentially. Yeah. And um, I majority do a lot of uh, soft material work and I started with yarn ropes mainly but um, now I'm um, kind of going into more like a crocheting situation like more focus on the fact of crocheting and so I've um, the works behind me is kind of like your work that I'm trying to test around yeah so, I don't think I introduced myself properly. I'm Michelle Wang, I'm the assistant curator here at the physics room. Um, and so, to sum up really briefly how the show came to be, I've been following Y's practice for a while. And so, I reached out to Y, invited her for a show. And then, I think you guys have been in a conversation about doing something for a little while already. And so, Y um, asked to serve to collaborate with her on the show. And that is um, very briefly how the show kind of came to be. So, would you guys like to talk a little bit about how you guys met, how you guys became friends, and those early conversations that kind of were the seed for the show? Yeah, um, I think I stumbled across one of Y's installations. It was similar to this um, knot that it hung from the ceiling and met the floor. It was something that I had actually thought about doing myself, and because it kind of shows this relationship between heaven and earth, and kind of alludes to Pokopapa or yeah, our genealogy and our ties to an origin and to each other. And I noticed she also did a collaboration between um, a Māori friend and herself, and it was about the friendship across cultures, and um, they used Nuka. And so I was also like looking for people who I could collaborate with, so I just happened to be in Auckland, I messaged her, <laughs> can we meet up? We're kind of doing the same thing. <laughs> And then later on, she was working with David at the museum, my brother. So we were hoping to work together, and then this opportunity came up. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think we first met like 
maybe just a single child and then Aotearoa Asian artist Hui that was in Brighton, it was helping Te Papa and then Tessa messaged me about um, oh let's collaborate, it was like four years ago so this conversation actually lasted a few years ago because we just two the same and the pandemic hits and just the hinders and quite a few things but we managed to actually have this opportunity from Michelle and we started to just oh actually I could use this opportunity to maybe form more perspective on from my own then I will start to collaborate with maybe more um, different artists around but I think the reason why I really want to um, collaborate with Tessa because we're still like under similar standing ground is like kind of figuring out how to do this kind of work, promoting harmonious relationship as um, someone who has a Chinese Makapapa or just as ourselves. So it will be quite different from my work with Alapeta Ashton, who's talented venue and actually taking, giving me guidance and taking me under his wing to actually show me the ropes and with the Vaganaho. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, so it was like, I just feel like it's time for me to actually start working on myself and like from my own perspective than just relying on, I feel like I'm relying on to defend the defendant essentially. So this is more like, oh, I need to do my study with, and I'm glad that Tessa is here with me too. Mm-hmm. So maybe now it's a good time to talk about the work that's in the room. Tessa spoke beautifully about it last night at the private opening. Do you mind starting and telling us about broad ideas that are in the show, each of the works and process of making? Yeah, I think last night yeah, we had a really nice opening and we had lit some incense outside the door um, just as a symbolic gesture of gratitude and prayer or praise. Um, and the blessings of having this opportunity to create the work and the inspiration that's come for the work, which is beyond ourselves, comes from a divine source. And just the gratitude for this body and, and those that have invited us to participate and supported us in this. I think the way we've approached this exhibition is kind of like a, a wish or a prayer in itself because it's really about our aspirations for harmonious relationships. We were thinking of the title for the show and we wanted to find a Chinese concept or words um, in Chinese. And why I found this proverb. So uh, in Cantonese it's Dansi Basin and um, Michelle has um, also pronounced it in Mandarin, which is Dansi Busian. It's an idiom meaning a single thread can make a chord. So, um, this which kind of really nicely summarizes what essentially what um, Tessa and I was thinking about is that we need to work together somehow to actually make the community stronger. And um, that's how the idiom was chosen to be in our Chinese title position. Yeah, and we were thinking about how we should translate it and um, we were all reminded of the Fafatoki by Dean Tapiao, Kotahi Te Aho, Kafati, Kite Kapuya, Ekore Fati. So 
If there's just a single thread, it will break. But if you gather them together, they won't break. Yeah, so we felt that those are really parallel. And I was also sharing last night, um, you know, Kingi Tafiao had made that statement in the late 1800s during the time of the land wars and calling the people to stay together and work together during this crisis. And I was thinking about how 200 years on, we still really need <laughs> to figure out how to do this, um, reintegrate and thinking about some of the consequences of the privatization of land, the mass migrations, urban migrations to cities, not only from overseas coming here, but also, you know, Māori and everyone leaving home ancestral lands and coming to the cities, and the breakdown of village life, you know, the disintegration of the fabric of village life. So in these works here, I was reflecting a lot about the spirit of a village, um, a rural village where our ancestors would have come from, um, but because of various um, crises throughout these last couple of hundred years, these villages have changed, families have become largely nuclear, um, separated, and this connection, close connection to land and the natural environment is also changing. You guys have created this kind of primordial space as we were in the room. She was murky, dark, void. Looking back to Chinese origin stories, do you guys want to talk about the story of Yuan? Like, I guess when you go back to the beginning, yeah, and you look at origin stories like yeah. across cultures, they're actually really similar kind yes. of thing. Maybe Tessa, um, you guys saw lots of connections yes. between Chinese and Māori origin stories. Yes. Yeah, we might just go back to when we were first having conversations about mm. the exhibition. So the three of us were, were meeting on Zoom regularly and just discussing, working through the project together. And we knew that we wanted it to be about being Chinese in Aotearoa some, somehow. And we were sharing our own experiences and we were all very diverse. So my great-grandfather's on my dad's side are from southern China and they moved to Canada and California and then my mom is German Jewish and European and I grew up here and then Wai is from Hong Kong and um, she knows her parents are from Hong Kong but before after that like, it's kind of a mystery <laughs> maybe there's some fishing ties or something and um, I come yeah. from a long line of farmers from the Fujian province and I moved with my parents here to Tamaki when I was three and moved to Ototahi about three years ago. Yeah, so yeah. we're all Chinese in very different ways. Yeah. yeah. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space. Yeah, when we were consulting, the question was posed, like, where is the space in contemporary art discourse for our story? Um, recently, there's a lot of focus on indigenous stories, but where is the place for other ethnic minorities? Mm-hmm. And also in a way that speaks, you know, across cultures directly in a conversation with indigenous people. Yeah. So um, we felt that going back to an origin story 
to Buddha who could could have this conversation with um, the Te Māori worldview and the stories you know are strikingly similar like in the beginning you know it said that the world began in this murky void that was dark and empty and there was nothingness and gradually from this misty vapor emerged yin and yang and through their the opposing forces intermingling gradually like heaven and earth were born um, and from there intermingling like the myriad of things in the universe mm-hmm. so it's really parallel to te kore te te amarama and um the story of Numa, so she was a goddess. There was a time when the world was in crisis and the heaven was kind of falling apart and the, there was flooding happening throughout the earth. And so she mended the sky and she um, cut off the legs of a giant turtle to use as pillars for the to hold up the sky. And so this concept of pillars holding up the sky as well and the axe that cuts them down like is also parallel in Māori Puraku. And then she goes on to make the first humans from soil. Mm-hmm. And um, she uses a rope to, to pull up the multitudes of the people. So we wanted to share, share a Chinese um, contribution to that discourse mm-hmm. about the way we view our origins mm-hmm. um, and this worldview that we're all you know, we have familial ties together and with the natural universe and we all came from one origin, same origin. Yeah, so that pillar of there is made from vanilla rope, that DNA looking knot and it's vanilla rope is made from banana fibers. Um, I think of the trunk of the banana. Yeah, it speaks to our Papa to the story of Nuwa, to to the earth, but also for us to that part of subtropical part of the world where this was a fiber that was used mm-hmm. and it's also used for marine um, it's a really good marine rope it's natural but it lasts in the sea and the sun so it also speaks to that early and continued seafaring culture that exists around the China coast and Southeast Asia and down throughout to Aotearoa as well this column, yeah. So this one also has the Chinese knotting thread and and these shells and sinkers. And again, it's about our love for kaimana, for the sea, this culture that exists around the sea, and the migrations and intermarriage and intertrade that's existed for many, many, many years. You were mentioning Vietnam and how there's an old connection to southern China and just these migrations have always been there. Mm -hmm. And this evolution of culture and language and when different cultures come together. And why do you want to talk about uh, your two columns and your panels? Yeah, um, so this column... I recreated the knots from my work. The first ever knot work that I made that was a few years ago, and I named that work "What Can I Give You?" Chengchun Gaga, which is like forever and ever. Mm-hmm. But um, I said the Chinese term have 
similar sounding as nine. So that one that one knot is actually nine meters long. It's like taking like a numeral um, number symbolism that like how number works in Chinese um, ideologies and philosophies. But this one I make five of them actually. Five is like a solid number and so it's referenced a lot and um, a lot of ancient stories or like symbolism, a lot of things is arranged with five and it's basically a quite a foundation knot and I made it this way to referencing that how the four pillars and uh, when Nuwa is popping them up they set the foundation of direction as well and all this knot um, they are each representing one um, meaning the one that with the big years is like a familiar looking Chinese knot that you will see in a lot of um, decorations mm-hmm. and it's called the endless knot or the punchanki because it just looks like it's never ending you can't see the end or beginning and it's kind of like a time and connection that I really want to have with basically people and the world around me and it's basically quite a blessing not so this I include why I included it in and um, square one is called a Cajun case young or Cajun lot not it's basically referencing the uh, rotunda that people used to pray to the gods and um, it's a reminder to uh, to connect with your surroundings not you not just oneself you exist with other people and essentially your environment as well and so this is another thing this and, and this really small small ones is is kind of like a simplified version of the button knot that you will see on um, Changsang or Chipao that is like there and um, I could not find any elaborated meaning behind the knot but just because it's, it's used a lot with buttons so essentially bringing two things together and hold it together and that's how it's always be in essentially in like a um, little rope it's like this little system that you can elongate it or shorten it but when you shorten it, it looks thicker and stronger so it's kind of like, <laughs> uh, like a little manifestation of the idiom that we use in the Chinese title so behind you guys, there's like a little big crochet column and it's just um, like an intense version of trying to represent it there's still a lot of work to actually need to put in and weaving everyone together not represent an individual and then it's actually coming from one line and making this big gigantic column and at the bottom of it and there's some pearls in it and they're like a defense mechanism from pearls shells but it's become so beautiful because like things will work on it and they wrap this what essentially is like something that could harm them into this pearl and, and become this really nice little looking thing so I guess for me it's kind of symbolically there's a community, humanity that always be conflicts and disagreements or crisis but um, we can build something beautiful from there if we look at it properly this is kind of how it becomes and um, crochet is I just like realised that there's a lot of things that human language would, would not be sufficient to 
to say it. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I really want to use crocheting is because that's my mom's love language when she doesn't is not an expressively emotive person in words, but that's the way she shows love. So I was just thinking like what if I don't know English? What if I don't even know Tilo Mali or if I'm mute or whatever? Like I just could not communicate with words or write. And this would be one thing that I would do the same to show my appreciation and the act of care is to recreate the crochet and creating something that I put a lot of energy and efforts in. Yeah, so this is how the act of crocheting comes into work. And the further back, that's how I imagine newer tales would be. And I chose a pattern that's like similar to scale. Because Niwa is described as um, a kind of a humanoid person with like either just the head of a human form or the upper body is human and the rest is kind of like a scaly, like a fish or a snake. And the ancient illustration is, looks like a wrap around the earth and she's trying to create the, the world. So um, I chose red instead that she become the venue <laughs> and then last I had it mentioned that I accidentally make it look quite like human flesh and with blood and just tissue and I quite like it that it becomes the human placenta itself as well so it's quite nice and it's just quite feminine and warm and I think um, I just want to maybe like I'm looking into how to love not just ourselves but also how much connection that I have with my environment. Like I go outside this building of course but where I'm standing and how I connect with it and it kind of is represented with how I make things with things like essentially I'm being nurtured and being careful in a way that I could could not really describe it in words. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I remember I think at the start of the project you were really like interested in like different ideas of love. I think it's really nice that you found this kind of material Yeah. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space. Part of the show is we invited friends and family, some artists and some are not, um, people who have also had Chinese Akapapa and asked them to contribute an object that related to their experience of being Chinese and not Teodora, and also to include a statement which are in that like, folder and sort of works about their experiences but also to maybe contribute some ideas about how to create harmonious relationships here. So we've got Logic from Carrie Ann Lee, from Campbell Jen, from David Liu, who's Tessa's brother. Uh, so wise, of course. Holly. Holly. No, David's not And a cookbook from Kim Lowe, who's in the audience today. Oh, Shane Hanson. Alan Shah, Amy Wing, uh, Jimmy Chin, Sunny Khan. Carmel and Maxine Chan, Sam Lung, 
Zade. Sam Zade. And Monica Wang and Shinichi. Um, and so since you guys asked me about their experiences um, with being Chinese in Aotearoa and about how to create harmonious relationships, I wondered if you guys had some ideas around that. Yeah, I think also last night at the opening, we kind of went around and we shared our experiences being Chinese in Aotearoa. And um, yeah, they're very diverse. And our friend Greg was mentioning how he grew up here and he lost his Cantonese language. He never could fit in here and he could never fit in back in Hong Kong. Because it wasn't Kiwi enough or it wasn't Chinese enough. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. My brother David, he did the paint swatches and he left the statement at the end kind of like, so where do I fit in? <laughs> or which one? <laughs> which one am I? And we shared, there were experiences of racism as well that were shared across the spectrum of very aggressive racism and very subtle racism that's very normalized. And we, as Chinese, often we don't talk about it and it hasn't really been talked about or accepted. But I think like what I was saying is, yeah, we, we need to turn the crises into strengths. I was thinking about my father who grew up in Seattle, born and raised there in a black neighborhood. And in the 60s, during a time of segregation, he received a lot of racism, his whole family. He can't really speak Cantonese anymore. He's culturally very African-American, maybe, or embraceable of different cultures. And I think because of the hardship that his family experienced, He's now a very strong promoter of racial harmony and, and justice and indigenous aspirations and rights. And so I think our experiences um, of racism here can, can help us to work for, for harmony. The same way that our village life, our extended family life, this fabric is disintegrating, we need to now look at how we can weave new village with many multicolored strands and new intricate patterns that are embraceable of our complex identities. We often, we were discussing how in Aotearoa there's a very narrow perception of what it means to be Chinese. There's still a lot of ignorance about the diversity that exists within China and within us as Chinese. There's so many of us, similar to myself, who have great-grandparents, like if they're Samoan, Fijian, Kiribati, Maori, we all kind of pop up back to the same place, generally, if their grandparents came in the 19th century or early 1900s. So, yeah, a great diversity that we want to help educate people in Aotearoa about. And also help educate ourselves on our own culture mm-hmm. with re-examining some of our stories and our cultural practices. Yeah, for me, one thing that is like still quite stick to me, of course there's like an everyday life racism or discrimination, all those things. And um, something that was struck me the most is how being in Chinese and creative arts and how I was asked by a tutor this question, why don't you make Hong Kong art? And I just feel a little bit confused, really, is that what does it look like, really? 
because for me, I don't see the need to actually make it explicitly Hong Kong. And so at that moment, as a student, I just like to like study a lot of Hong Kong art and what they represent, what they should look like, but I just don't see myself in them. Mm-hmm. So I kind of at the end, I kind of throw the question back. It's like, what does Hong Kong look like to you? Or what is Hong Kong art look like to you? But then there's one part of like, kind of like all this question is like, why don't you be what I imagine you to be? Or like, mm-hmm. and that kind of makes me think like, actually I can just be as it, but I could kind of focusing on something that is outside of myself because that particular project to me is too much of a self-centered or like inward looking and I've done that enough and it's time to look outward, outside of ourselves. And I think a lot of migrant artists or people who have like diverse background would often ask this question is that can you feel the need to examine their own cultural identity as if it needs to be justified somehow. So I guess it's kind of how I turn this always question is like I feel like I'm expected to make a certain kind of art that looks really Chinese to be able to actually be looked at properly. But I guess these experiences give me a little bit of like a chance to rebel. It's like what like I'm not going to look at myself like I'm actually a wrong Chinese or a certain kind of people but I actually throw the pressure back to you and I'm deciding myself so like why don't I actually work with different people and like just collecting stories or generating my own story and so I guess how being Chinese in Aotearoa has came to be for me is that it has become like from like always questioning if I should stay within the expectation to forming my own narrative with, of course, good care and consideration and consultation as well. It's not, it's like how, like how she takes space, but without taking over, not talk over each other, this kind of balancing act that I'm still trying to think around, I would say. Yeah. yeah. And um, I will have one thing to add to is that this almost feels like for me or for artists to talk about the identity, it will be like, oh, oh, I suffered all this thing and now I need to represent it all to you. But there's always another side of hurt that you provide love that could make people be loved more and show that love instead of not saying that like showing the hurt is invalid but also I think it's a time to actually show more how to love and this kind of like how my practice has been informed and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's a good place to end it. Did anybody have any questions for TCM Y? Well, Audrey, I have a technical question. <laughs> Where did you learn to do not like? There's a book in the libraries. It's by Lydia Chin. And is basically make your own notes on a learned Chinese note because it's still uh, quite um, like a folk art, folk art um, in China. So I looked at online websites, online from um, the craft masters, technicians that they will teach you step by step. And 
Yeah, so I learned from those people who make the technique quite accessible. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like why I love it because it's basically you can recreate it yourself. So I don't own the art at all. But it's like everyone can just go online and make these small things and go and and do their own thing with it. Yeah. I think that's a really nice um, the fact that you know this is a self-taught thing and it's not so romanticized like oh my mom taught me how to do it. I think that speaks really nicely to how knowledge is passed down and how yeah. you know cultures and communities are enmeshed and yeah. sort of yeah. Now that I think about it, the whole exhibition is quite filled with craft techniques. I feel like this is a quite a good show to representing all this book art, like paper cutting and shell puppets, yeah, mm-hmm. and um, lanterns, and of course the good old knitting and crocheting. That is, I mean, now there's more textile design is happening in the uh, contemporary art. Same, but I still like the idea to bring all this folk art practice into a contemporary art space to actually just give them a space to be in, in a sense. Yeah. Can I throw out question? Yeah, totally. Um, you said, I love you with the paper cuts in you, so that's on library paper. Is that a paper that you can find? What's your kind of technique? I mean, it's, it's amazing. It looks as though these different sort of layers to the paper that you've like incised almost operated on. Uh, can you talk more to that process? Mm. Yeah, um, I wanted to use mulberry paper because mulberry is significant to China and to Oceania. It's the plant which feeds the silkworms but also it's a plant which has been used for its bark to make bark cloth in China and throughout Oceania. Yeah, so it's the same common plant and also to make paper. Yeah, and there's actually two sheets, so I would cut out one sheet just in a very freehand um, cutting. Yeah, just so that it was a very enjoyable meditative process. And then I glued them together. But yeah, I've always really like admired so many different Chinese arts and crafts, including paper cutting and also like the intricacy of different Chinese arts that you know, just little items that Dan's had around the house that I've always looked at and thought, wow, like you can carve like a beautiful landscape out of one tiny rock. I think it's opened the possibilities up for me looking at it. Yeah, but like I was saying, I was really reflecting on this longing I had for village. I haven't been able to travel, but there was a time where I was living and working closely um, with a number of Pacific islands, and um, I just love being in the village, and I love being close to nature, having that community connection, extended family. So this was kind of being poured into the cutting. The connection to the cafe as well, a little bit. Yeah, so it's the same plant mm. that makes, yeah. The materials I chose are trying to show these connections, yeah. <laughs> Even the images in here, um, things like the chicken, water, the pig, you know, it also talks to our ancient ancestral connection. The pig travelled from southern China throughout, you know, so. This is also a side of the story that is not talked about 
in Western New Zealand discourse in terms of Chinese being here. But there's actually a whole other connection that we have with Aotearoa that exists aside from that. I just kind of have um, a comment, really. So, Sun Khan and I were one of the founders of the Aotearoa <laughs> Asian Artist Hui. <laughs> and it was because we were South Islanders and felt out of touch with anything Chinese, which seemed to be very Auckland-centred. So we had a Hui at Corbin's in 2013, one I think at Tetuhi yes. in 2015. Yes. And then Kerry Ann Lee took that and did this big art hui in 2018, which was massive, like a month-long symposium at Te Papa and international um, artists coming, and it was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, at all of these hui's, there's always this dialogue that uh, is very painful. You know, just uh, talking about racism, and I guess my comment to you guys and my mihi to you is... I love the way that you have flipped it and made this really uh, nurturing environment um, for people to share that, the time for people to share that if they wanted to. Yeah, and the work is is beautiful as well. And I guess my question would be, what do we do next (laughs) for that that community? I think when we were planning this exhibition, we really wanted to collaborate with more people, more artists, and we wanted to have more people contribute to the discourse and the conversation. But because of shortage of time, we had this type of collaboration where there were just a few friends who were able to contribute an idea or a story or perspective. But I think we would like to collaborate more with others and create more spaces, even if there were online discussions, a forum of mutual support and, and conversation. Um, and I didn't mean to make it sound like this is a job for you. For you guys, but you know, something that we should think about. Yeah, yeah. We should we should I guess for me it's that of course, I, I would love to like do more collaboration, like exploring different methods. Like maybe this could be a podcast, maybe there could be another book or whatever, and this it could be manifested in in such different ways. But I guess what I see this exhibition or my practice with other collaborators, I just hope that there will be a starting point, and if it doesn't get noticed and I still keep saying like saying things like this and hoping that say I could meet Tessa, people like Tessa and I could just let whoever has come behind me that newly graduated has similar ideas no matter what their background is that they can still feel that this is like a safe topic or like there has been someone who is talking about and they've been less lonely on this journey and this how I hope that would be happening next. But in terms of practical plan, there's a lot of conversation. This day we have it. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to keep on doing what you're doing. Alright, mm. 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 the talk there. Thank you all for coming and Julian, thank you, Rihanna, for sharing about their work.
That was Tessa and Y talking about their work in Kapuya Na Aho Dance of Bushien. The exhibition is on until Sunday, the 24th of April, so come and check it out at our gallery at 301 Montreal Street in the Art Centre's Registry Editions Building. We are open 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesdays through to Fridays and 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. on the weekend. Thank you for listening and tune in next month on Friday the 15th of April at 8 p.m. for our next episode of Art Not Science. Matewa. The Physics Room is generously supported by Creative New Zealand, the Christchurch City Council, the Rata Foundation, Three Boys Brewery, Scientech, Resine Paints, and the Crater Rim.